Whiskey warms my soul up. That that's the much <laughs> much in the same way. Oh, where am I? Where am I? <laughs> we are back for more Lillian Mad Whip. Um, unbeknownst to the listeners, it's been fucking like months since yeah. we read the last one. I say you so, went out of town and. We finished D&D. I work way too much. Yeah, we finished D&D. We finished D&D. That was, that was the main thing. And yeah. then the other Tuesdays we spent getting high at a drive-in theater. Yeah. So we're we're here. We're gathered for Lillian Madwip Part 3. I want to... I want to do, like... <laughs> for everyone else, it's been two weeks since, since yeah. we read the last part. Oh, man. Let's try to recap as much as we can... Without actually going and looking at it. Sure. Um, <laughs> you want to start? Yeah, so Lillian Madwip has... Uh, I guess it's like a weird connection to death. We don't actually know like if it's like an ability there, there's or like an a element, foresight. Yeah, there's an element of an ethereal figure. Yeah. The... the um, What's his name? The angel. Yeah, the angel. But what's... It's not Charlie. <laughs> nope. They're, I named them all Charlie. <laughs> nope, it's not Charlie. Anyway, we'll figure. Yeah, that we'll out. figure that out. The the doll, that the dad takes away. Correct. Yeah. But she has a she has an ability. She has a a type of precognition. Yeah. I'd say. Watches uh, episode chapter one. I've called it the dead zone because that's a TV show that has the same effect. Uh, she watches her brother die. Mm-hmm. Episode two, it was her therapist. Yeah, it was her psychiatrist. Um, episode three, was, was that the one where the the girl shows up and is burning things, or is that later? No, it's later. Okay, I don't remember. Oh, episode three is the mall. No, episode three is the the dead things in the backyard. I'm pretty sure. Probably okay. Yeah, and then I think episode four is uh, is fire girl. Is meeting Fire Girl at school. Yeah. And then I think five is, you know, let's not give numbers. I just know that at some yeah, point we some meet point Fire Girl. We meet Fire Girl. At some point we go to the mall and kill an entire pet store. Yeah. And then we and run meet in, a different We run into angel. someone, another angel, which we assume is death. Um, and then we cut back to parents who are acting shadier. Yeah. And they, they, they hide They hide her the doll. doll. And so she gets anxious and goes to school the next mm-hmm. day and gets Fire Girl all whipped up. Um, um, and, like, they almost kill the bully. Because they're being bullied. Yeah. It's the carry effect. Yeah. And it's the fire starter effect. It's the Stephen King effect, <laughs> is what I mean to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that one ends with them going to an auditorium meeting and up there on the stage, which we saw when I opened the file, is the name of... Uh, or at least the effect of this person, the fog. 
the death Cause figure, they, yeah. Because there was like a black mist coming off of them in the mall, apparently. Yeah. And um, when Lillian gets close to this person, bad stuff is going to happen, is what the other angel said. So the other angel told her to fucking get the shit out of there. And, uh... Well, I think it was the when the angels get close to each other. So, like, uh, the Firestarter's angel, the bar- Melted Barbie, is there. And when the Melted Barbie gets close to the Angel of Death, that's when bad things happen. No, I think it's the powers. I think it's okay. the people. The angels are just observers. They don't, they don't have any... They don't have any act. Yeah. They're, they're passive at best. Mostly informative. Fair enough. Because okay. was demons... Because was demons. Because was demons. But at least was demons makes sense. <laughs> was demons is the effect of when you read an entire story and the twist the entire time. Was demons. Was demons. And, um, you know, it's happened to us too many times. Uh, I have a feeling that this is going to lead to the parents were in a cult. They stole a baby or something. The kid isn't even their kid. She has weird fucked up powers and she's one of of many. Like a, yeah. And like someone in this cult is trying to get her back. You know, there's there's something there's something was demons going on here. Specifically when the angels talk, mm-hmm. I feel. Um because no one else can see the angels. No one else has talked about the angels. Like the Lillian had to tell Firestarter that, that, the that the Barbie doll was her angel. And even then she was like, you're fucking weird. Yeah. Um, but she convinced, um, she convinced Firestarter that she had powers by, uh, essentially telling the girl that she's going to go, tr- she's going to trip, trip and knock out her front and, teeth and hurt herself. And the yeah. girl goes and does that. And, um, she didn't even mean for it to happen, but, Firestarter saw it happen, so that's that's how mm. Firestarter like believes that Lillian has powers. Um, we've seen Firestarter's powers. She um, in the like second to last chapter of this last time we read, um, she lit like an entire tree on fire. Uh, doesn't she like the girl's backpack on fire as well? I think so. Yeah. 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 She almost gets that kid. Yeah. She gonna fuck her up. Um, any any predictions? Um, not really. I don't think it's cult related. You don't think there's a cult? No, I I think it's just... Was demons. Yeah, like happenstance that these two girls met. That like, because the fire starter was a transfer. Mm -hmm. You know, so like, Mm -hmm. I think it was just happenstance that... She is an orphan. She had... Yeah. Murdered her, murdered her family. Her family died in a fire. She had murdered her family in her sleep with the fire, yeah. which which does hurt her, by the way. She's, oh, not, yeah. she's not immune to it. Yeah. She has she has a pretty nasty scar on her face, I believe. Probably something like that, yeah. And, uh... And her Barbie's burnt. And her Barbie's a reflection of that, yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I like the series. I think it's fun. It's funny. It's got its own little sense of humor. Yeah, I like... The writing style's pretty cute. Mm-hmm. I like being in the perspective of the child. Crazy little 12-year-old. Yeah. Because we were all crazy little 12-year-olds at one point. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I was a little uh, asshole. I'm the reason why I'm not having kids. Yeah, man. 
You're the reason I'm also not having kids. <laughs> That's a joke. I'm also the reason I'm not having kids. Uh, you need to start by reading this one because uh, yeah. if we if we go off of um, if we go off of the title alone, I feel like you were meant to read this. My, my name is Lily Madwhip, and why? <laughs> It's pretty much exactly what I expected. My name is Lily Madwhip, and I have no idea where I am. <laughs> That's beautiful. My name is Lily Madwhip, and I have no idea where I am. This is the teacher's lounge, Lily. That's Nurse Whitmore. At least, I think it is. It sounds like her. She's been the school nurse for two years. Before her, we had Nurse Faye, who never believed anyone was sick. She'd just take our temperature and tell us we were fine and send us back to class. Okay, hell of a job. <laughs> One girl, Janie, went to see her because she felt nauseated. Nurse Faye sent her back to class and she ended up turning into a human fountain in the middle of social studies. It was gross. Here's the question. Fountain from what end? <laughs> I'm assuming top end. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say butthole because that makes it all the worse. <laughs> shit everywhere. There's shit. Doo-doo feces all over the walls. I sit up and look around. I've never been in the teacher's lounge before. Students aren't usually allowed in here. I heard that if a student goes into the teacher's lounge, they come back missing a finger. In Saudi Arabia. <laughs> I've, I've never known anyone who did it. Obviously, everyone I know has all their fingers. There's a big coffee pot with cups over by a sink and a bunch of tables with chairs. Nobody else is in the room with me and Miss Whitmore. What happened? I ask. Nurse Whitmore smiles at me in a way that says, I feel bad for you, but I'm happy thinking about it. <laughs> you fainted in the middle of the school assembly, dear. That's right. The lady in black was apparently our guest speaker. And then the black fog was all over my feet. And then somebody started coughing. Oh no, the angel of death was the guest speaker. I feel like I can still see the smoke that surrounded her, leaking into the room from the other side of the door out on the hallway. How many are dead? I dread the answer, but need to know. Nurse Whitmore seemed taken aback by the question. <laughs> I, I beg your pardon? She says, how many are dead? Nobody's dead, Lily. You, you just had a fainting spell. It can happen. There wasn't a gas leak or anything. But I heard coughing. I remember just before everything seemed to go black, like the smoke was covering my eyes completely. There was someone coughing in the crowd. Nurse Whitmore touches her cheek, kind of the same way my mom touches her chin. Like they're pressing enter on some search engine in their brains. Coughing? That was probably Drew Sanders. He's got asthma. Sweaty. That's all. Oh, he's, he's got sweaty. asthma. Well, I was like, why is dude sweating when he's got asthma? He's got asthma, sweetie. That's all. He's in my office right now. That's why we had to bring you to the teacher's lounge. I don't know, Drew Sanders. I hope he doesn't die because of all this. Is he going to be okay? He'll be fine. He just needed his nebulizer. That sounds like space-age technology. What happened to the lady in the black? Nurse Whitmore looked puzzled. Who? The police lady who was at the assembly. 
Oh, you mean Officer Flores. I'm afraid I don't know. She probably left after the assembly. Police are busy people, after all. Nurse Whitmore stands up and brushes off her clothing. I guess adults get dusty a lot because they always seem to brush themselves off when they stand up. I wonder how the assembly was about anyway. Having fainted, I missed out on what Officer Flowers was actually came to say. I bet it was about the dangers of people with angels of death hanging around pet stores. Or maybe it was to tell us that smoking is bad for your health. Can I go back to my class? She shakes her head. Your father is on his way. What the fuck is his name? Pas we called him Pascal. Pascal That's but right. his name is Pascal. Pascal. I don't need my dad right now. I need Pascal. He's outside in my backpack. At least I hope he still is. I left him and the pack by the swings before Meredith set Lisa Welch's stupid red backpack on fire. I didn't get a chance to bring them inside with me. I'm a little high. <laughs> a little. <laughs> what time is it anyway? Almost 11? It's a half hour. In a half hour, it's going to be lunch. And then after that, recess. I really need to get my backpack and Pascal back. I need to get my backpack. I left it outside by the swings. I guess being honest is the best policy. Nurse Whitmore explains the this ex accepts this explanation. Okay, but come right back with it. I'm sorry, Nurse Whitmore, but I can't. I've got to get Pascal and then find Meredith and tell her about Felix. I gave her a warning earlier about weasels, but I really don't think she's going to understand what I meant at all. I walk down the hall to the front, going past Miss Longbow's office with all his eagle's paintings. He's sitting at his desk, talking to someone else. Andy didn't notice me. I'm glad, because I'm sure he'd probably come out and stop me if he did. Outside, my backpack is still sitting by the swings. Thank goodness. This is my favorite backpack. Really, it's my only backpack. But of all the backpacks I've had over the years, this one is my favorite. It's been knocked over, probably by Jamal or Greg, as they left for their own school. But Pascal is still inside. He tells me he's glad I'm okay. You shouldn't leave me behind, Pascal says, now more than ever. I know. I'm sorry. I know he forgives me because he's an angel and they're all about forgiveness. Well, <laughs> forgiveness and punishment, I guess. And secrets. And fires. Pascal, I need to know where Meredith lives. You mustn't go to Meredith's house, he tells me. That creepy man I met at the hospital is after her, I remind him. We talked about this the other night, Pascal. You know she's in danger. If you go to Meredith's house... Things will be much worse. Will I die? I can't answer that. What? What do you mean you can't answer that? You know everything. You can see the future even better than I can. You know what the plan is, Pascal. Why can't you just tell me if I die? There are too many outside elements at work here. The inclusion of Nathaniel and Duma and Rizal are setting things out of alignment. I get frustrated. Not because I think Pascal is keeping secrets from me, but because I have no idea what he's saying. What does all of that mean? The other angels are messing with the future? Pascal says, pretty much. I'm scared. I don't want to die. I was reading a really good book. I haven't finished it. Also, I kind of want a dog at some point, preferably a big one, that doesn't die easily in case I run into Officer Flowers again. What's up with her? Why is she visiting my school? Why is she looking for me? 
Maybe she was looking for Meredith. Maybe Officer Flowers is working with Felix and they're hunting for Meredith together. I need to find Meredith. Where does Meredith live? I insist. I can see my dad's car pulling up in front of the school. I wonder if he sees me over here by the swings talking to Pascal. I need to find out where Meredith lives before my dad notices me because I'm not supposed to be talking to Pascal. I have to do it in my head or privately because they'll take him away again if I start acting like he speaks to me, even though he does. Pastel gives up and gives me your address, but insists that I not go there. I say it to myself several times. If you say something a bunch, it's easier to remember, especially if you didn't write it down anywhere. I guess I could write it down, but I see Nurse Whitmore come out of the school and start talking to my dad in the car. She sees me over here by the swings and waits for me to come over while my dad fills out some sign-out sheet for me. I walk over to the car. Nurse Whitmore is leaning into the window, talking to my dad about my fainting and how I should be okay to come back to school tomorrow, but it might be best to take me to see a doctor. Dad is, is just nodding quietly, not looking at me. I can't even really see his face to tell if he's angry or worried. Nurse Whitmore takes my backpack with Pascal and passes it through the window to my dad as I climb in the back. Lily, wait, Pascal says. I'm not listening now because I'm trying to buckle up but my vision is beginning to act wonky. I think I'm starting to see something before it happens. I try to have to focus so I can tell what it is. It's, it's looking through the front windshield of the car as we drive down a road I'm not familiar with. Well, that's useful. All right, Lily, says Nurse Whitmore. You be well. We'll see you bright and early tomorrow. Thank you, I hear my dad said. He sounds weird like he's coming down with a head cold. In my vision, we pull up alongside a small greenhouse. I'm looking at the mailbox. It has the number 86 on it. It's the same number as Meredith's address. We must be going to her house. That must mean I convinced my dad to go there so we can warn Meredith. Good. I know Pascal doesn't want me to go, but maybe my dad can help. We pull out of the, the school parking lot. Something smells familiar, the car. The car smells unfamiliar, like when you get it, when you, the car, the car smells unfamiliar, like when you take it to get cleaned and get back and it smells like someone else. Dad, I start to say, but it's not my dad's eyes looking back at me in the rearview mirror. They're too small, too beady, like a weasel's eye. I'm afraid I'm not, Lily, says Felix. I get goosebumps all over my arms and legs. Why is Felix Weaselface in my dad's car? Where's my dad? I yell. I unbuckle myself, but Felix shakes the steering wheel and the whole car weaves back and forth. It's real dangerous to be unbuckled when someone's driving reckless like that, so I buckle back in. I don't know what I was going to do anyway. Jump out of the car? I think I've seen enough roadside deaths recently. I don't want to be the next one. Wait, what did you do with my dad? I scream at Felix. Is he dead? Felix looks back and grins. No, no, don't look back. That's how people get T-boned by giant trucks. Keep looking forward, you crazy weasel man. I wave at him to keep his eyes on the road, but I don't think he understands the universal signal for face forward, dummy. Your father is fine for now. You know, I thought about just coming for Meredith at school, but you're a smart girl, aren't you? Somewhat, I, th I think. I know enough to stay buckled in and to look where I'm going, and that if Felix finds Meredith, 
he's gonna kill her because he's angry about what happened to his son, Joey. I'm not top of my class smart, but I'm one of those kids who knows you spell it ketchup or catsup, and it's the same word. I figured the best bet was to wait for you to get home and just have you take me to her. After all, I knew where you lived, but not her. And I knew you didn't know where she lived at first, but given time, you'd find out. I think Felix likes to listen to himself speak. It's all part of knowing people, Lily. I know how to learn the things I need to know and how to use people to get the things I want. Like your dad. Thanks to what I gleaned from you at the hospital, I was able to talk my way into your house easily. Where's my dad? I say as calmly as I can. Felix's lips curl up in a creepy weasel grin again. I'll tell you when this is all over. It really depends on if you give me any trouble or not. Pascal has gone quiet in the front seat. I think I know why. It's the same reason Razael... The angel in Felix's locket won't speak. Anything they tell me, Felix will know. Just like he must already know Meredith's address, thanks to Pascal telling it to me. They will not speak to me with Felix near, because I'm like a radio antenna that Felix can pick up their signals from. A real fleshy antenna <laughs> with hair. <laughs> yeah, that's what that said. A real fleshy antenna with hair and a face. That's pissed off and glaring back at him from the back seat. Mr. Felix, Meredith didn't kill Joey. Felix's mouth twitches and he looks back at me with a bit of anger in the rearview mirror. It's almost impressive how much beadier his eyes get when he's angry. Like, super beady. How can he even see anything with eyes that small? She set fire to the stage we were on, Lily. She couldn't have done that without being angry, and only because she was near you. Yes, I know. He looks back to the road. But just because she didn't mean to do it, doesn't mean she's not dangerous. Didn't she nearly kill another girl just this morning? No. I don't know if it's called... I don't know if it's fair to call Lisa Welch a girl. I want to call her other things. Swear jar things. Come... I want to go back to the bank and get one of those big rolls of quarters and pop it open and pour it into the swear jar and then talk about Lisa Welch until all the vegetables in town turn brown from the rotten, rotten words I use. You're a terrible liar, Lily. We turn onto Rosemont Drive. That's the street Pascal told me is where Meredith lives. We're going to be there in a matter of minutes. I can't convince Felix not to hurt her, and I don't think I can stop him once we get there. I've got to do something dramatic. Dad, I'm really, really sorry. Mr. Felix, I say, looking him dead in his beady weasel eyes, he looks back at me. Yes? You're going to crash. I can see the glimmer of understanding cross his face, but it's too late. I dig my hands into the grips of my car seat and tuck my head down between my knees. At the same time, the steering wheel spins out of Felix's hand as if guided by invisible hands. Angels' hands, maybe. I don't know. Do angels even have hands? Maybe they have hundreds of hands. Maybe angels are like centipedes. Ew. The car veers off the side of the road, and we're going somewhere around 45 miles an hour. 
If my dad were driving, we'd probably be going even faster. He doesn't care about speed limits. I'm surprised he hasn't already killed everyone in the family. I wonder if he's alive. <laughs> I hope so. Up over the curb and through a large hedge we go, where we smash into a tree in the middle of someone's yard. I was in a car accident three months ago. <laughs> it took my brother Roger's life. I know the terrible feeling of having the vehicle you're sitting in come to a sudden stop. All your body parts want to go one way, while your seat and belt and everything in between them stay put and stop with the rest of the car. It's like the world's worst roller coaster. No one pays to get on, but everyone finds themselves riding it when they least expect. For a moment, everything goes black. I wake up, and I'm still buckled into the, the car seat. Felix is laying across the front, groaning and covered in glass from the windshield. The airbag deployed out of the steering wheel. That didn't happen when we got T-boned. I've never even seen an airbag deployed up close before. It looks soft. Too bad Felix went sideways. I bet he'd feel real comfy resting on that airbag. Well, my dad's gonna be pissed. This is the second car in three months that got wrecked. I can see from the back seat that all the front of his car is all crumpled up like it's trying to hug a tree. I hope we didn't hurt the tree too bad. Sorry, tree. Someone's at my door, banging on the window. Are you alright? It's a lady in jogging clothes. It occurs to me that I should be grateful we didn't accidentally hit her. I should have been more careful about what I said to Felix. Speaking of Felix, he's making pain sounds and pulling himself up. There's glass all over his back, and I can see that he's got scratches down the side of his face. His nose looks bent funny. He doesn't look like he's entirely aware of what happened. Get me out. I scream. Get me out! I screamed to the lady outside. I try to unbuckle myself, but the seat shifted, and I can't find where it's buckled in. Help! This isn't my dad! My shouting is just confusing her. I don't think she can fully hear what I'm saying, but she's trying to get the door open. It seems to be jammed. She pulls out a flip phone and is calling 911. Oh, thank God, yes. Call the police. Get me out of here. No, Officer Flowers. One of the front doors creaks like someone's trying to crush a soda can. I look over and Felix is no longer in the front seat. The lady on her phone is telling whoever's in the other end about a car crashing into a tree on Rosemont. I can hear her describing me as a frantic little girl. Lady, I'm only frantic because there's a crazy guy loose and I don't know if he's armed or willing to kill me and you. Do you really want to die right after jogging? Nobody wants to die all sweaty and exhausted like that. I don't have time for this. I think Felix is still going to Meredith's. I can't sit here and wait. I've got to do something. Pascal tells me to stay put. Don't go to Meredith's, he says. I can't listen to you this time, Pascal. Even if it means I die, saving Meredith, I need to try. I slide down out of my seatbelt and wiggle to the floor of the car, then climb over into the front seat where I pull Pascal out of the backpack. Oh, my lunch is completely smashed. It's about lunchtime, too. That sucks. Now if I die, I'm going to die hungry. Hungry and my chest hurts. I think the seatbelt bruised it. Pascal won't stop telling me not to go. Stay put. Wait for the police. Trust me on Lily. You have to trust me. I trust you, Pascal, but I need to do this. The lady in the jogging clothes sees me climb out of the front, and she runs around to see if I'm okay. Lady, there's glass all over me, and I'm climbing out of a car that's wrapped around a tree. Does that seem okay to you? She finally notices that Felix isn't in the driver's seat anymore. Where did your father go? He may be injured. That wasn't my dad, I tell her. 
I'm okay. Please tell the police to head to 86 Rosemont. The bad man who kidnapped me is going there. You should sit down. She puts her hands on me and tries to guide me away from the car instead of doing what I told her. I shrug her off and run through the giant hole we made in someone's hedges. Other people are coming out of their homes or pulling over in their cars to see what happened. My dad's poor car is hissing. It sounds like a big metal snake. Maybe one of the tires is losing air. I can't tell exactly what the noise is. I don't even really care. I'm trying to drown out the sounds of Pascal in my head and pay attention to the numbers of the houses. I can hear the lady in the jogging clothes behind me yelling for me to come back. All, all it over, over it all, <laughs> I hear sirens. All it over. All <laughs> over it. Over it all, I hear sirens. I hope they get here in time. <sighs> I forgot about Felix Weaselman. Felix, we didn't mention Felix Weaselman. Yeah. Because we forgot about him. We did forget about him. Meredith, Meredith, uh... Killed burned, his kid. Burned down a house. He was, a uh, he was her former foster parent. Wasn't, okay. wasn't yeah. that the thing? Probably. She's burned down, like, every fucking house she's been to. Um, yeah, I, uh, I forgot he was our, our stand-in bad guy, but I guess he's... He's back to do some diabolical shit. Yeah, we're also not sure who's, like, a bad guy and who's, like, a good guy. Like, yeah. clearly he has negative motives. You know, well, he's trying to like, kill kids, but, like, maybe he's, like, doing yeah. the, like, stranger things trying to kill kids. Like, yeah. Like, they have superpowers, so they should be fucking murdered. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe he understands the, uh, Severity. the fire starter aspect of little kids having these powers is going to lead to bad things. More people will die if we don't put these kids in the ground type of thing. Yeah. My name is Lily Madwhip, and this is the worst day ever. That's the that's the name of part ten. We're on we're on part ten. Okay, part ten. How many are there? I don't fucking know. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, my chest really hurts. I just need a moment. Just need to sit down by this tree. I wasn't feeling so bad after the car crash I just caused a bit ago, but the seat belt really dig, dig in, and I'm not used to all this running. Have I still got Pascal on me? Yeah, good. He's telling me to just rest here. Relax, let the police deal with Felix. Don't go after him. I can't rest here, there might be ants. <laughs> I don't want ants crawling all over me if I fall asleep under a tree. Besides, I've got a better chance of stopping Felix because... All I have to do is get near him and tell him to buzz off and never return or something. I hope that works. Where, where even, am I? <laughs> where even am I? What house number is this? 64? There are way too many houses on this street. Gotta get to Meredith. I feel really out of breath. Pascal is still trying to stop me. He's saying, Lily, if you go. Yeah, I'll die. I feel it. I know he's right. Pascal is always right. But if I know it, maybe I can change it. I don't have to die. I don't want to die either, jeez. There's nobody better at not dying than me. <laughs> who else can see death coming? Nobody. Even the lady in black who works with the angel of death can't see it coming like I can. I just gotta be focused when I get there. Stop Felix, help Meredith, and... Oh, my chest is really, really sore. I bet I got a big old seatbelt-shaped bruise on it. Maybe I'll just relax here a bit, like Pascal says. Oh, nope. I gotta get up. 
I gotta get to 86 Rosemont, the greenhouse with the white window frames that I can still see in my head, but it's getting darker, like the memory is fading. I get to my feet, check my shoelaces because I don't want to trip over them when I'm saving the day, and have that be the way I die, then start to run down the sidewalk again. Felix is nowhere in sight. There's sirens back behind me, probably pulling up to where I made Felix crash my dad's car. I wonder where my dad is. If Felix had his car and Felix answered our phone at home, he must have done something to my dad. I don't want my dad to be dead. He was going to teach me to play the drums like Roger. And the harmonica, though I'm less interested in that. Don't be dead, Dad. There's a greenhouse ahead. I recognize the mailbox. A black car is parked in the driveway. It probably belongs to one of Meredith's foster parents, or both. Maybe they only have one car. Not every family has a car for each adult, after all. Then again, maybe they didn't go straight home after whoever picked Meredith up from school. If I got suspended for turning another student's backpack into a fireball, I'm sure my dad would take me straight home. But maybe Meredith's foster family would take her to see a doctor or return her to the orphanage or something because they think she's defective. Poor Meredith. She's not defective. She's just special. And maybe she's just in the house like I originally assumed, getting grounded for nearly burning Lisa Welch to a cinder. I limp up to the driveway because my legs are starting to feel sore and I'm having some serious chest pain. Something stabby feeling is going on in my side. It makes me just want to sit down and cry, but I don't have time for that. That's my motto right now. Don't have time for crying. No time to cry. I ring the doorbell. It's really fancy sounding, like they've got an orchestra playing bells inside. I don't know what I'm going to do if nobody answers. Maybe bang on the door a bunch? Check the windows to see if I can see inside? What if Felix is already in there murdering Meredith and her foster parents? What if they're having some sort of epic battle like you see in the movies and she's got flaming fists and he's doing whatever it is he does? He's throwing secrets, you know? Come to think of it, Felix's gift or curse or whatever isn't really all that great in a fight. An elderly lady with white hair answers the door and she's wearing a blue dress with flowery spirals on it like my Nana used to wear. Remember to be respectful, I think to myself. Hello! <laughs> you could you could be the grandma. <laughs> she says with a smile. And it doesn't look phony, I can tell from phony adult smiles. They uh, curl their mouth up, but they can't change how they're really feeling in their eyes. Phony smiles are like when someone points a camera at you and tells you to smile and say cheese, but you're trying to hold in a fart. You must be Lily. How did you know? I forget what I was going to say. Why does everybody know who I am? Mary's told us about you. She says. She's described you to a T. It's very sweet of you to come check on her. I know that the whole incident in school was some sort of mistake. She's up in her room if you've come to see her. Would you please call the police, ma'am? I ask as politely and calmly as I can. I'm about ready to double over in pain. And she sees me clutching my side and trying to stay upright in the doorway. Oh dear, are you alright? There's a weasel-faced man coming to hurt Meredith, please. She steps aside and gestures to a set of stairs. The house is really nice inside. They've got carpeting all over and unlike the carpeting in my house, it looks like they can vacuum it regularly. Ours looks like someone regularly spills coffee on it. Probably because someone <laughs> regularly spills coffee on it. You go see Mary and sit down. I'll get on the phone, okay? Would you like something to drink? No, thank you. 
Actually, I could use some lemonade, but it might hurt to swallow. I hobble past her and hold the banister as I drag myself up the stairs. And even the banister is nice. It's like all polished and smooth with no splinters sticking out. Meredith's lucky her foster parents keep their house really clean. There's five bedrooms on the second floor, and Meredith's is probably the one that's on fire. Only none of them are on fire, and I don't smell smoke either. Well, that's good. I gotta be careful, though, because when I'm this close, if she's angry, she might burn the whole house down, not realizing I'm in it with her. Meredith! I call. I really just want to sit down. She pokes her head out of her room at the end of the hall. Lily? Or you could be. You could be Meredith. Lily? She's a little girl, you fuck. Yeah. <laughs> not old woman. I, I walk slowly down the hall to her. My back and neck are starting to throb as well. Are you okay? I ask. Her bedroom has wood paneling. At least I hope it's just paneling. Maybe there's a brick underneath. That'd be safe. Bricks don't catch fire, do they? I hope it isn't something shoddy underneath or super flammable. Pascal says it's plaster underneath the fake paneling. He's such a help. I don't see myself getting burned to death, so I'm trusting my ability to see things before they happen to warn me. <laughs> I've got to be very careful. I still have that feeling that I'm going to die, and I need to be ready to react if the moment comes. Meredith sits down at the desk with a lamp and a glass cage that's got a turtle in it. Oh my god, so lucky! I wanted a turtle! I've had two, Donatello and Raphael, but I was looking at one the other day that would make a good Leonardo, and it died. <laughs> Along with every other animal in the pet store. And a couple people in the food court, apparently. I can't believe anyone trusted Meredith with a pet. I guess turtles aren't too easy to burn. She's just gotta hop in water to put themselves out. I'm alright. Meredith looks at her feet. I think she does that to keep her hair hanging in her face over the scars from the fire that killed her parents. Okay, look. I lean in the doorway and watch the turtle try to climb the glass of its tank. That's a nice turtle. Also, there's a man. Weasel. I was in a car accident. I need to sit down. I might be dying. Meredith's bed looks really comfy. She's got three <laughs> big pillows to lay her head on. I could probably fall asleep on them, but my brain is racing and it hurts to lay down. Worse than standing up, actually. Let's not lie down. No sitting isn't any good either. It's so soft that I feel like I'm putting pressure on my chest all hunched over. I'm going to kneel here beside the bed. Okay, that works good. <laughs> Meredith watches me flop on the bed, then roll around on it a bit, sit up, then slide off and crouch on the floor beside it. You told me about the car accident and the weasel. <laughs> to speak louder than that. You told me about the car accident and the weasel. There aren't any weasels around here, though. No, it's a man with the weasel face. His name is Felix, and this was a different car accident. I just made him crash down the street. He's coming for you, and I think I'm dying. What? Why? Is it getting hot in here? The room feels like it's starting to heat up. I can almost smell it. Maybe it's just me. I'm in a lot of pain. I think I'm sweating. I really hope the police get here soon. Maybe an ambulance, too. Why? Which part? <laughs> I can't catch my breath. Why is he coming for me? Because you killed... Oh, shit. Because you killed my boy! <laughs> we both turn and look, and Felix is standing in the door to the hallway. His face looks kind of swollen on one side, and there's blood running down his forehead and neck. He looks almost like a zombie. I don't like zombie movies, because they always show the people getting torn apart, and then their insides get eaten. I saw one once on Halloween Movie Marathon. My dad thought it would be okay, because it was in black and white. And those usually aren't too scary, but this one was super scary. Felix is only one half as scary as that movie. 
Where's Mrs. Lake? Meredith asks, standing up and moving toward me. I'm having trouble breathing, but I managed to pull myself up somewhat to face him. Pascal is saying something. It's hard to hear him, though. Lily, you need to do something. You're faster, mother? She's fine. She's taking a nap. I'm not here for her. He steps into the room, dragging on his feet. There's blood coming off of him from somewhere, and he's leaving a trail on the floor. I hope it's his blood, not Mrs. Lake, who I assume is the nice lady who answered the door. It looks like there's something on Felix's other hand. Oh, God, it's probably a knife or something. Mr. Felix, I say, straightening up, you're going to drop what you've got and walk on out of here. He smirks at me. No, I'm not. Yep. Uh, yep. Yes. Yes, you are. <laughs> really? Now? It's not working? Now? What gives? Felix steps towards us. Meredith moves closer to me and I put my arm around her. Mostly because I think I'm going to collapse and I don't want to collapse. This sucks. Did she tell you, Meredith? Blood runs down over his eye. So gross. Can we pause this showdown and you go wash yourself up, please? We can take turns if you promise not to kill Meredith while I'm trying to fix whatever's digging into my side. In fact, let's both call this whole thing off and just go get checked in at the hospital. Tell me what? What a good friend she is keeping secrets from you. What secrets? Meredith looks at me. I start to shrug, but that makes shooting pain go up my side. He's trying to get in your brain. Burn him, Meredith. That's right, Meredith. Burn me. Burn me like you burned my boy, Joey. Remember him? Remember the carnival? He moves closer and we step back. We're running out of space in the bedroom. It's a big bedroom, too. I wish my bedroom was this big, and that I had that turtle, and that I wasn't here, dying from internal injuries or something, or dealing with a crazy man. The, the hell? That was an accident. Meredith mumbles. She holds me up. I really appreciate her holding on to me. I didn't mean to cause the fire. It's, it's never just happened like that before. Mr. Felix, you're going to jump out of that window, I yell. Felix shakes his head and makes a face like I'm some sort of idiot. Will you knock it off? He looks back to Meredith and steps towards us again. I know it was an accident, dear. I know you didn't mean to hurt anybody then. So then why do you want to kill her? I say angrily. There's just enough strength in my legs to step between Felix and Meredith, so I do it. Lily Madwhip, Human Shields. This is where I die, right, Pascal? Oh, he's over on the bed and he's gone quiet. Stupid angel. <laughs> when did I ever say I was going to kill her? He shakes his head again, this time with amusement. But there's blood running down his face, so it's kind of hard to see the funny in all this. I'm confused at this point. You said I said that I needed to protect the rest of us from her, you silly girl. People like you... And me, not simple, plain, ordinary people. Don't you see what happens when people like us come together? He turns to Meredith. She looks as confused as I feel. She didn't tell you that either, did she? She's full of secrets, your friend, Lily. You both are, in fact. Meredith looks at me with her good eye. Tell me what? Felix is smiling. When someone like you... And someone like me are together. Our gifts become amplified. Your gift of fire, her gift of seeing the future, my gift of knowing people's secrets. 
Right now, you can make fire without touching anything. She can cause things to happen just by saying it. And me, well, I make people finally see the truth. Except I can't seem to make things happen because I just tried twice to make Felix do something, and he laughed in my face. Maybe I've lost my ability because of this pain I'm feeling. What do you mean? Meredith asks. He turns to me. What scares you, Lily? What? Well, that's a weird thing to ask. And yet, I feel an overwhelming need to tell them both. And I cannot control my mouth or brain. Sharks! I yell. Sharks are terrifying. They've got multiple rows of teeth. It's like God said I'm tired of people going swimming in my oceans and bothering all the fish. So I'm just going to make one fish that's huge and has a zillion teeth and crazy eyes and all it does is eat you. Yeah, thanks God. Thanks for sharks. Felix blinks. Yes, but what else scares you? Clowns, I admit. <laughs> I don't understand why anyone thought up clowns. They're pure nightmare fuel. Felix is frowning at me. I guess those weren't the answers he was looking for, because he clenches his free hand up to his fist and looks about ready to hit me with it. No, you're afraid that your parents think you're some sort of freak and that they don't love you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty true. <laughs> After all, if I didn't exist, they'd probably still have Roger. And my dad loved Roger. Yeah, mom did too, but not like dad did. Sometimes I think they both love me, but the things I say scare them. I don't want them to think I'm a freak. Meredith watches us both quietly. I don't get it. I don't either, to be honest. Sure, Felix made me say what scares me without me being able to control it, but I would have willingly told them both about my fear of sharks and clowns. I don't have to be forced out of me. Why don't you tell your best friend what you think of her, Lily? Felix grits his teeth with a smile. That's that phony smile I was talking about right there. Or maybe he's just in pain like I am. After all, his face looks like it's pretty jacked up. You scare the bejesus out of me, I say. Oh, no. Okay, I didn't want to say that. Meredith's my friend. And uh, yeah, it's true. She scares me, but I would never tell her that because she's my friend. And because it might piss her off and then cause her to burn me alive like she did to Felix's son, Joey, and her own parents. Hmm. <laughs> Felix waves his hand like a magician. Isn't it nice to hear the truth for a change? Meredith looks at me, and I can see that she's hurt by what I admitted. Her lip is quivering, which is a typical sign that somebody's about to cry, and I take her hands and I squeeze them. And I stare at her, maybe a bit too much, but I... But, but I better blink so I don't freak her out. You scare me, but you're my best friend. After Jamal. And Pascal, really. You're my third best friend, and I was just in a car accident for you. But yeah, your fire powers are terrifying. I'm sorry. Felix shakes his head. What else? And your face kind of looks like a candle. Oh, Jesus, I'm sorry, Meredith, stupid Felix. Knock it off. But I don't care how you look. And I know you only look that way because of an accident. I turn and give Felix my super angry stare. What does any of this have to do with me? with you protecting me from her. The temperature in the room is getting toasty. I think I can see the air waving like it does when you're outside in the summer, and I can see the heat rising off the street. Is this Meredith? Is she doing this? Why can't I make Felix leave? Silly Lily. I'm going to take Meredith and teach her. Teach her how to use her gift the right way, on the right people. After all, I know all her secrets, too. Meredith stiffens. 
I squeeze her hands again to try and calm her. I don't know if things get even stronger with the three of us in the same place and if that's what's causing the whole room to heat up. All I know is I need to calm her down and get Felix away from us and go to the hospital because something <laughs> inside me is sending a really bad stabby stab down my side. Felix holds out his hand. It was keeping hidden away at his side, and in it is some folded-up piece of paper. Time to tell Lily what your secret is, Meredith, my girl. Meredith is visibly shaking. I don't know what's going on inside her, because I just had to deal with it. She's trying to keep from letting the thing in her head come out of her mouth, and I admit that, though. I'm actually curious what secret she's got, so I just raise my eyebrows and watch. It wasn't an accident, she finally blurts out. What wasn't an accident, I ask. She looks at me, and her cheeks are deep red. I can't tell if she's embarrassed or getting a fever, even the side of her face that's burned is blushing. I set the fire that killed my parents on purpose. Okay, well, I'm horrified. I also can't stand up anymore, so I slumped down in the chair by her desk. It wasn't really because of what she told me, but it was, probably looks that way to her. It's not what you think. Meredith tries to pull me back up to my feet, but I'm in too much pain, so I resist. They thought I was a monster, like yours do. After the fire at the carnival, they started locking me in the basement. They would have killed me if they could. I couldn't make it happen again. The flames out of nowhere. I didn't know what else to do, so I used some stuff in the basement to start a normal fire and hoped that the fire department would be called and I'd be found. I didn't mean for them to die or for this to happen to me. She gestures at the scars on her face. Felix steps forward and puts a hand on her shoulder. She tenses at his touch, but then seems to relax. I can't look at either of them. I don't know what to do anymore. The heat in the room is making me sweat, and I want to cough, but I'm afraid coughing will make the pain in my side flare up. They deserved what they got, dear, he says in a creepy, comforting tone. Besides, you're leaving the best part out. I don't know what you're talking about. Sure you do. The best part was, deep down, you liked burning them. I finally do look at the two of them, and Felix has an arm around Meredith, and she's hanging her head, ashamed, but nodding at the same time. I did like it. She whispers, her voice eerily calm, like she just admitted that she likes boy bands, not that she liked murdering her parents. Oh my god. Pascal, tell me this isn't happening. He tells me that it is. Nathaniel told us that she burned them. Why would I assume otherwise? Why can't I stop this? I ask him. Why can't I make Felix leave? You cannot make a person act against their own nature. Okay, great. I don't really know what that means, and I don't exactly have time to look it up because I'm probably dying here. Felix takes Meredith by the hand and starts to walk her away from me. Come with me, my dear. And Meredith pulls away from him and steps back towards me. I'm not going with you. Lily's hurt, and you're evil. Thank you, Meredith. Evil, he acts offended, putting a hand on his chest like she stabbed him in the heart. I'm not evil. I want to help you learn to control your gift 
to help other people, to hurt the people who deserve it. Your foster family isn't going to understand any better than your real family did. And you owe me a life for a life. You took my son away from me. It's only right that you take his place. Leave her alone, I croak, clutching my side. Downstairs, someone bangs at the front door, and I hear yelling. Hello? Is anybody home? I'm looking for a little girl. Oh, I hope they're talking about me, because I want to get out of this house right now. Crazy in here just doubled. Felix looks at me, and I get the feeling he's staring into my soul. His weasel features clench up, and then his mouth curls into one of those creepy half-smiles. You want to talk about evil, sweetie? Your best friend Lily thinks you're the evil one. That's not true! I can't hold it together, and I slip out of my chair. Now is a completely suitable time to cry, so I do. I want my mom and my dad. I even want Roger. He would kick Felix's butt. He wasn't strong or anything, but Felix doesn't seem like he's in that good of a shape at the moment either. Jeez, look at all the blood on him. I bet I'm bleeding like that inside. I wonder if I'll get an airlift to the hospital after all this. Felix turns to Meredith and takes her hand again. She's looking down at me and holding his hand in return. Not just him holding her hand, she's holding it back. Meredith, don't listen to him. He's a weasel. A trickster. I told you I know all her secrets, he sneers at me. Let's go, Meredith says quietly. I don't need a friend who lies to me. From downstairs comes the sound of the front door crashing open. They probably didn't need to kick it in. I don't think it was locked. Just try the knob. I always try the knob. Pascal says it was locked. Well, okay, what do I know? I'm just curled up here in a ball waiting to die. Is it now? No, nope, I'm still alive. I've never felt this much pain before, though. Even when we got T-boned back three months ago and Roger died, I got something called whiplash. That has nothing to do with actual whips, and it wasn't this bad. Someone's running up the stairs. I hear each heavy footstep. Thump, 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 thump. It sounds exactly like they're moving away from us rather than towards us. Or maybe this is just me passing out. Is my body shutting down? I hear when you die, your whole life flashes before your eyes. I wonder if that happened to Roger or Miss Christie, the therapist. I wonder if my hamster saw its life flash before its eyes. That would have been short. I take one last look up at Felix and Meredith, and they're holding hands and moving towards the window. She has one of those latched windows you can open easily. The ones in my room, you gotta get an adult to pull these little tabs on the side to slide them up. I wonder if I can get my parents to get me windows like these. Or Meredith has, or had, I guess. Any, any, you know, assuming I live. Assuming I live. Where am Where I? Where am I? <laughs> Oh yeah, Meredith and Felix stepping past me to the window, silent as mice, where the sound of someone approaching from the stairs is getting dimmer and softer. And Felix has a look of confusion on his face, and he's saying something to Meredith, but I can't hear him. She's looking over her shoulder back at me and is mouthing something too. My insides feel like they're clenching up and I smell charcoal, like when my dad used to grill to barbecue stuff in the summer. 
And speaking of summer, the temperature of the room is rising again. And there's a high-pitched whistling like a tea kettle. I don't like tea. How did someone come up with the idea of soaking old leaves in water and drinking that grimy stuff that comes off them? That's just crazy. A lot of food is crazy if you think about it. Oh no, Meredith must be losing it. There's smoke filling the room. She's probably setting everything on fire because Felix told her that I'm scared of her and think her burns are ugly. I can feel the heat, but I don't see the flames, just the smoke. Smoke starting to roll over me like waves. I'm on the beach and the smoke is the ocean. I'm just going to lie here in the smoke and let it cover me, I think. I can drown in the ocean. It's peaceful. It's quiet. But of course it's not the ocean and it's not Meredith. I know it's not, just like Pascal told me. Just like I felt it before. It's death coming for me. The angel of death and silence, Duma. The woman in black. She's here in the doorway to the hall, looking at the three of us as Felix and Meredith are trying to climb out the window, and I lie here on the floor. Four of us in a room, really? Four at once? Two weeks ago, there was just me and Pascal, and now I'm lying here on the floor of Meredith's bedroom while she runs off with Weasel Man to go be super assassins or something, and the angel of death just pops by and goes, Hey, I heard you guys were having a party. This is it's the, the worst, worst day, day ever. ever. <laughs> I think we got one more. <laughs> well, bit of a change of pace. Yeah. <laughs> My name is Lily Madwhip, and I'm having a picnic. <laughs> Pass the potato chips, Lily. That's my brother, Roger. Pass the potato chips, Lily, you fucking nerd. <laughs> He's six years older than me. We both like potato chips. Who doesn't? Even my pet, Raphael, likes them. Raphael is sitting on the tablecloth next to me. He's so cute. I give him a potato chip and pass the bag to Roger. Raphael chomps on the potato chip. Thank you, Lily. Roger smiles at me. You're welcome, I tell him and smile back, popping a potato chip in my mouth. It tastes like sawdust. Gross. My mom and dad smile at both of us because they're so happy we're their kids. Roger plays in a band with his friends Skeeter and Dustin. Roger plays the drums. He's very good at it. My dad taught him. Someday, I hope he'll teach me too. We're having a wonderful picnic here by the lake. I can hear birds chirping in the trees. They sound so peaceful. Out on the lake, my cousin Susie is swimming around. She loves to swim. She leaves a trail of red behind her in the water. Maybe after we eat, Roger and I can play in the lake with Susie. Susie got ran over by a boat, if you remember. Uh, yeah, I, I was... She's, like, doing a, a dead thing right now. Yeah. I love you guys, I tell my family, and Raphael. I pet my turtle. He turns up and looks at me and lets water pour out of his mouth. He's so silly. And we love you too, Lily. My mom pets my head. I like it when she pets my head. Back in third grade, this lady used to come to our classroom, and we were always told to get our pencils when she came by. We'd set our pencils out on our desk, and, our, and the lady would come to each of us and use our pencil to comb through our hair. I always loved it when the lady would comb through my hair with my pencil. I told my mom about the nice lady who would visit our classroom and gently comb our hair. And she told me it was the school nurse <laughs> and she was checking for lice. <laughs> Roger nudges me. He's got on my favorite shirt with no sleeves. And his hair is all brushed and all nice and tidy. He grins at me. Look what I found. He hands me my foil Charizard. Hey, that's mine! Susie calls down from the lake. She waves at us, but she's got no hand. 
We all laugh and wave back. <laughs> oh, silly Susie. <laughs> Dad stands up and brushes himself off. He's wearing a nice black suit and tie. It must be pretty hot for this sunny summer day. Roger. He says. Let's play some music for the ladies. Sounds good. Roger says. He hops to his feet. His belly sloshes because everything inside is mashed potatoes. <laughs> his belly sloshes because everything inside is mashed potatoes. Okay. There's a drum set out on the grass under a big willow tree, and Roger sits down and pulls out his drumsticks. He pours out the snare drum and gives it a tap. My dad pulls out a harmonica and polishes it on his sleeve. <laughs> Wait, who is this? I think that's Mom. Oh, it's Pascal. Is that Pascal? Yeah, if I just read. Huh? Pardon me. May I join you? Mom and I turn to see a dapper-looking man in a white shirt with a painted tie on. He's got on black pants and a black vest. He looks very happy, and he bows to us both. My jaw drops. Pascal, is that you? He winks at me. It's time to wake up, Lily. No, 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 no! Roger and Dad start playing a song, but it doesn't sound like music. Dad blows into the harmonica, and it makes a sound like a siren. Roger strikes the drum, and it sounds like crashing and things breaking. It's not a very good song, but it sounds typical for what Roger used to play when Skeeter and Dutton were over. <laughs> Dutton. What was Dutton? I think she's losing it a bit. Out on the lake, Susie is screaming and headbanging <laughs> to the bad music. Her head kind of bends further back than normal, so she really whips her hair. I imagine that if she had hands, she'd be doing <laughs> devil horns or something. <laughs> I imagine if she had hands. Um, that's where you put your index and pointer finger, or your index and pinky finger up and hold your middle and ring fingers down with your thumb. Roger used to love to do devil horns while rocking out. Oh dear. Mom says, and she stands up, walking over to the barbecue grill. Something's burning. Black smoke is coming off the grill and forming dark clouds in the sky. I can smell the hot dogs and hamburgers burning, and it's upsetting because I really wanted a hamburger, but not if they're burnt. Get them out of here, I yell to Mom. She turns and looks at me, and her face is all waxy and melting. I can still see her mouth and teeth but her eyes and her nose are sliding right off her face. It's too late, Lily, she says. Everything's burned. Pascal puts his hand on my shoulder. I warned you, he says sadly. But I'm not dead, I tell him. The sky is getting dark with the smoke from the grill. Out in the lake, Susie sinks below the surface of the water and leaves nothing but a big red spot where she was. Dad and Roger stop playing the bad song. Dad watches as Mom melts by the barbecue grill, and then looks at me and shakes his head as he starts to melt too. This is all your fault. I open my eyes. I'm lying on the floor of Meredith's bedroom. Everything's smoky, but I can see some off-white stickers on the ceiling that look like stars and planets and comets. I bet they're glow in the dark. I wish the lights were out so I could see them glow. It's really hot in here. I, I kind of want to get glow-in-the-dark stars from my room. Oh, totally. It's really hot in here. I glance around and realize the room is on fire. That's not good. How long was I out for? The picnic didn't seem, well, okay. 
The picnic seemed to last about an hour. The wallpaper has flames coming out of it, and even the bedding is burning. Nobody's going to be sleeping on that now. There's a crash from somewhere close by, and then the sound of someone struggling. Meredith? I say, oh my god, I can speak! Lily. I hear her, but she sounds tired. It has definitely been a long day for both of us. I can't even remember what I had for breakfast. Wait, no. No, I had Frosted Flakes. That's right. Lily, I burned her. I burned her right up. I didn't mean to do it. She must be referring to Officer Flowers, the lady in black, the policewoman who carried a totem of Doma, the angel of death and silence. She had been popping up all over the place lately. First the mall, then the school. Now she showed up at Meredith's house in the middle of Meredith and Felix making their grand escape. Wait, where's Felix? Where's Felix, I ask. It hurts to talk, and I start coughing. So smoky in here. We need to get help before we burn up. I don't feel anything. Of course she doesn't. Meredith's fires don't hurt her. Oh, yeah, they do. Well, I think... Okay. Someone just needs to teach her how to put them out. Yeah, maybe. There's going to be assembly on fire safety, if I recall. Heck, they could have Meredith help teach it. I sit up. Meredith is curled up in a corner, hiding her face. She's sobbing and holding herself and rocking back and forth. Between us, there's a person, curled up as well, only they're kind of on fire and not moving. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I can't tell who they are because of all the black. And like I said, on fire. It must be poor Officer Flowers. She smells like burnt hamburgers. We gotta get out of here, Meredith. I choke on the smoke. I'm in a lot of pain. And your house is on fire. Are those glow-in-the-dark stickers on your ceiling? Just leave me. <laughs> Somebody moves in the hallway. I turn to look. It's it's Roger. He's wearing a sleeveless shirt. And his hair is combed, like at his funeral. Just leave her, ass face. <laughs> he says. He's walking down the hall. Oh, great. I'm hallucinating. I grab Pascal and Nathaniel off the bed. Scooting past the bad-smelling... The bad-smelling, burned-up body, I crawl over Meredith and hold out Nathaniel. Nathaniel says we need to leave. She takes her melted Barbie and hugs him to her chest. Outside, I can hear fire engines' sirens. I wait, looking at her. Come on, Meredith, snap out of it. She looks back at me, tears in both eyes. I still wonder if she can see me with that milky one. Now that Felix is gone, I can think more clearly, I whisper. He gets in your head. He makes you think things and say things. He makes you tell your secrets, Meredith mutters. Something big falls over downstairs with a crash. It sounds like Roger banging on his drums, but those are back at the picnic. No, wait, that was a dream. His drums are in our garage. I grab Meredith by the shoulders. Meredith, I'm not afraid of sharks. She tilts her head like a dog when you tell it to fetch and don't throw a stick. It's the universal sign for... Huh? What does that have anything to do with anything? Don't you remember? I told you I was afraid of sharks. So what? Felix made me say it. Don't you get it? He told me to tell you what I'm scared of. And I said I was scared of sharks. Even in my head... I was suddenly thinking about how scary sharks are, but sharks are out in the ocean. I'm not scared of them. Or clowns. 
Well, okay. I'm unnerved by clowns, but I wasn't scared of them until Felix made me confess. So you lied. Oh, God. The smell of the person on the floor, mixed with the pain in the side, is starting to make me sick. Can we discuss this outside, please? I don't want to die. Meredith nods silently. She looks at the dead person smoldering on the floor, then looks away and follows me as I head to the door, just as we approach the hall. A big man in a yellow fireman's jacket and yellow fireman's pants and yellow helmet walks in. He stares at us, then past us at the burnt body, then back at us. Girls, stay low. I'll get you out of here. Just give me a second. Are you real? I ask him. Yes, I'm real, he says. Okay, then. He, he goes down the hall and comes back with a sopping wet blanket, which he makes Meredith and I wrap around us. Less than a minute later, we're breathing fresh air out on the front lawn. Being given oxygen through some cool-looking rubber mask, while each wearing a less wet blanket, the firemen managed to pull, put out the fire without too much more of the house getting damaged. But there's still the matter of the dead body inside. Meredith and I get to ride in an ambulance to the hospital so they can take care of whatever's going on that's hurting so much in my side after the car crash. I wish it was a helicopter, but there's no room for one to land. Meredith, I say to her while the ambulance bumps along, I don't think you're ugly, and you don't scare me. She looks at me doubtfully. You're one of my best friends. One of them? She asks. Like, third best. Out of how many? Look, the point is, you don't scare me, and I don't think you're ugly. She blinks away some more tears. I hate having to talk about her appearance, because I know how self-conscious she is of her burns. I've got to just stop beating around the bush and get to the point. I think the weasel burned your parents. The EMT is sitting in the back with us, raises his eyebrow. I shake my head at him because it's too much to explain. I think the weasel can get inside people's brains. He almost made me believe the things I was saying about you, but he made one mistake. He told me my biggest fear was that my parents don't love me. And I know they do. I know they do. My parents love me. My dad just gave me a harmonica. Is gonna teach me how to play the drums. Lily? Meredith whispers. Yeah? She leans in close so the EMT can't hear her. It didn't make me happy when my parents died. I know I said I liked it, but I didn't. That wasn't me. I wish they were still alive. Even though they locked you in the basement? They never did. She covers her mouth to stifle a sob. I don't know why I said that. They didn't do that to me. They loved me. Maybe those are the weasel's secrets, I suggest. Maybe when he's around us, he can make other people believe their secrets are theirs. That would mean he did it, right? Do you think Felix killed my parents? Yeah, I do. But you know what else that means? What? The weasel is scared of clowns. <laughs> At the hospital, I'm taken to get an x-ray while Meredith's foster dad meets her and gets her checked out. Apparently, her foster mom, Mrs. Lake, is all right and is suffering from a minor concussion from Felix banging her head against a wall. The jerk. I'm glad she's okay. Before we part, Meredith gives me a strong hug. 
I hug her back and whisper, watch out for weasels. After all, Felix is still out there. I hope he ran away to hide in a weasel den and leave Meredith and me alone for good. But someone like that, they're obsessed. I'm afraid he'll be back and we'll have to deal with him again. The x-ray shows two broken ribs. To me, it feels like my whole insides were run through a blender. They put some sticky bandages on me and tell me to just rest and don't do any acrobatics. Also, avoid any more car crashes. That last part seems sadly harder to avoid than the first part. I've been in two serious ones in just three months after all. On the other hand, you see, Pascal, you were telling me things were going to end badly. I mean, I guess they did for Officer Flowers. I feel bad for her. I wish I knew what she was about. Duma said she wasn't there for me. I wonder who she's there for, because I don't think she went there for herself. Of course, with all us people and our totems and our angels together in the same place, it seemed to be scrambling the wires or something like that. Officer Flowers came in for one of us and ended up being the one who died. I sensed my death, yet here I am, still kicking. Well, okay, I better not kick anything right now. I breathe a sigh of relief and wait for my parents to come pick me up. I'm sorry, Lily, Pascal says. It's okay. Even you, my best friend, can make a mistake from time to time. My mom eventually comes into the room, red-faced. She's been crying at the sight of me lying there waiting, all bandaged up. She breaks into crying again. She doesn't normally cry all that much, but maybe the whole thing with losing Roger in a car crash and then having to go to the hospital because I was in another one, it's probably been all too much for her. We hug and I pet her head. It's okay. I'm okay. I saved Meredith. I know you did, sweetie. She says, kissing me on the forehead. I suddenly remember that I don't know what happened to Dad. Is Daddy okay? Mom looks at me and holds my hands. She squeezes them just a bit too hard. I don't cry or pull away because I need to let her do it. She shakes her head so slowly, so very, very slowly. She blinks away tears. That man that attacked you, he apparently tied up your father and put him in the trunk of the car. Oh God, he was in the trunk the whole time? The car that I made crash? If I hadn't made Felix crashed the car, maybe. I start to cry with her and hug her, even though it hurts to be hugged. He's in intensive care. He suffered a lot of internal injuries, but he should be okay. Can we go see him? Sure. We can go back there and wait together, okay? She takes my hand, and we head down to the ICU. I get this churning feeling in my butt. <laughs> say that one more time say that, say that one more time I get, I get this churning feeling in my gut as we walk past nurse's station <laughs> yeah yeah. that's what I thought that's what I thought you said oh, I can tell you about a churning feeling in my butt after I eat some Taco Bell yeah. I get this churning feeling in my gut <laughs> I can't get past it now I get this churning feeling in my gut as we walk past nurses' stations and doctors' offices. Maybe it's the pain medication they gave me earlier for my ribs. As we walk, I look down at the shiny tiles. Maybe it's the toasted cheddar chalupa I just had. <laughs> churning feeling in my butt. <laughs> I wonder how much mopping has to get done to make this place always look so clean. Specifically after I'm done churning everything out of my butt. <laughs> 
Except there, where there's a spot of blood, and there. Actually, in fact, there's a lot of blood spatters. It's becoming hard not to step in them. I'm surprised that Mom is just walking through it all carefree in her expensive shoes. Normally, if she even gets a scuff mark on them, she goes ballistic. I guess there's more important things than shoes at the moment. I mean, I, I know there is, but Mom doesn't always think so. The blood on the ground starts to flow under our feet, like it's fresh. I look up, and the hallway seems to be slowly flooding with bloody water. It's going all over my the toes of my shoes, but Mom doesn't see it. She looks down at me with her sad eyes and tries to fake a smile. I want to tell her. I want to warn her about the blood that's running over our feet, down the hall of us. I see my cousin Susie swim past. God, I'm hallucinating again. What is happening to me? I close my eyes and when I open them again, the blood is gone. The floor is clean and clear again. Moments later, we stop in front of a dimly lit room with a shaded window looking in. My dad is lying in a hospital bed with dozens of machines hooked up to him and I can just make out someone standing next to him, leaning over, probably checking out one of the many tubes or wires connected to him. My dad's face reminds me of Felix's, not in the weasel sense, but when I last saw Felix and his face was all bruised and there was blood running down from his hair, I'm seeing so much blood today. I hope Felix is off bleeding somewhere right now. Can we ask the doctor how he's doing? I ask mom. What doctor? I feel suddenly cold as the figure straightens up and turns around to look at me through the window. At least, I assume she's looking at me. Her face and most of her body has been burned black by the fire. The fire. So, um, okay. I mean, that's, that's where we have to stop because, uh, we got down to the last, we're down to the last 50 and I, I kind of want to save that for one solid final chunk. So we're stopping, we're stopping at part 12. Yeah. Um, lots of shit happened. Lots so, of so maybe weird shit happened. Lots of weird shit happened. Uh, it's character development, though. You know, it's uh, the things the things that haunt Lily is the amount of death she's seen in her life. You know, um, the things she worries about is is causing more harm to the people that are in her life. Uh, Felix Felix's powers are traitorous at best. Meredith is still a little bitch. Yeah. Uh, and I have learned nothing about Lady and Black Woman of Death. Uh, having, who may or have, may not be alive. Who may or may not have been completely lit on fire and also survived somehow, question, question mark? Yeah. Um, or maybe it's a figment of her imagination or something. Yeah, I was going to say, this, this all could be continued Ooh, hallucinations. What if, it's, what if it's future Lily? What if it's, what if it, uh, what if, uh, what if her what if the the vision she sees of a woman in black is just her yeah. as the visage of death i don't know that'd be pretty cool i guess um a lot less was demons this time yeah a lot more x-men superpowers mm -hmm. um 
I, with just a smidgening of hey don't smidgening. do that <laughs> um they're you know study 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 course towards the finale this these these next two parts are going to be the revelation we're mm-hmm. going to we're going to have some action we're going to have some conclusion um I feel like we did this last time. Do you think Lily's going to survive this story? Uh, no. You're I don't leaning, think so. You're leaning towards no now? Yeah. I feel like you were leaning towards yes before. I definitely was. I'm also leaning towards no. I have a feeling that um, you can only see death coming for so long, mm. like a Final Destination thing, that at some point it's going gonna, it's gonna to bite you in the ass. Yeah. Or she's going to sacrifice herself for something. Yeah, to, like, hey, you know, the, the, it's you or... Like, the was you demons know. aspect of it says that she's going to sacrifice herself for something at some point. Yeah. Um, maybe even for Meredith, maybe for her family. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't seem to hate the idea of maybe being dead, you know, when she was seeing the, the hallucinations of her cousin and her brother and shit yeah. and her family back together. It's only when the illusion started to drop that she was like, Oh no, wait, I'm alive. There's stuff going on. I have to protect these people. Mm-hmm. I, I like, she's, I feel like she would find peace in not dealing with death every day. Yeah, I agree with that. But she's also like a kid. <laughs> so it's it's hard it's hard to see any type of resolve that that would make me happy at this point cuz I feel like if she survives but all this superpower shit comes to a head and just kind of fizzles out then you know I'll always be wondering like hey, what happened to Lily? Like when she moved on to mm-hmm. her adulthood, when she moved on to being, you know, old enough to have her own kids, you know, like what happened then? And, yeah. and you know, it's like, I just think the only way the story is going to end is if she dies somehow. Like a full, full closure. Yeah, it, it has to come full circle. She's been surrounded by death so much of her life. She's going to figure it out and she's going to do something about it. I don't know. Lots of variables, lots of players on the board. At first I thought, um kind of a bum rap for Flores to just kind of show up there and get burned. Mm-hmm. I was hoping that the, the body on the ground would, would be a twist to be Felix. Yeah. That well, Meredith kind of broke out of the power and, and put him down. She also might not be, like, confirmed dead. Well, I mean, yeah, that's kind of what... I mean, the mom doesn't see who's standing over the... Yeah. The mom doesn't see who's standing over the, the husband's bed at the end, but... Um, our idea of Flores might not actually match, mm. um, visage of death. Like these two things might be separate. That's fair too. Um, I don't know that there was an ambiguity that I, I think I can appreciate storytelling wise because it might be setting up for a twist, mm-hmm. but well, that's one of the big reasons why I didn't want to go into the next section too, is because I feel like we are at that twisty we are at the twisty point where yeah well i mean we're we're coming to a settle uh we're we're settling in for a landing yeah i'm definitely trying to get this next episode scheduled because i want to know what because we want to know it's a it's a fun story it's not it's not bad it's been keeping us engaged uh we really enjoy reading it Mm -hmm. you know the the stream of consciousness kind of adhd style that that encapsulates uh, Lillian's mind. Yeah, just a twelve-year-old, you know. 
Yeah, I love I love all the questions she asks because reading this it's funny, but listening to it it's probably something else. It yeah. probably sounds like we're nuts. <laughs> I was going to say you're you're listening to an ADHD brain through an ADHD brain, so it's almost like twice filtered vodka where it's like this is <laughs> this is like different super than, vodka. yeah, it's super vodka. <laughs> Let's refer to this story as Was Demons Super Vodka from this point forward. I'm in. The hindsight is like I've been naming these episodes like uh, Lillian's Dead Zone mm. or, or, or something like that because I just I needed a title for the series. But like yeah. hindsight is Was Demons Super Vodka. <laughs> like, that's that's like the code name for, for that the could be the finale. Production. Yeah. Yeah. It's the code name for this series. Um, we, you know, we'll, we'll be back soon. We'll finish this off. This was, this was a quicker one compared to the other ones, but we'll be, we'll be hopping back into it soon. So yeah, the uh, last be, one will be ready be the two weeks from now. Yeah. Two weeks from now, we're going to, we're going to have a solid chunk, but, uh, you know, I hope everyone's looking forward to the finale because we certain are, certainly are any, any final words? Where am I? Uh, any 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 little notions you want to leave with the audience? Take care, brush your hair. <laughs> but what if I burned all my hair off when I murdered my parents? <laughs> <laughs> well, don't do that. <laughs> I wait till the day's end when the moon is high. Until we stand at the shore, the shore.